Welcome to Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Join us as Pastor Marty teaches us verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God. To listen to any of these messages in their entirety or to find out more about our fellowship, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Let's listen in to today's message, and may the Lord richly bless you. What have I to ask beside? Can I doubt His tender mercy? studying out the eye and you know one of the things I I found was uh, the creation scientists use the eyeball just itself it's so intricate we're so fearfully and wonderfully made it's so intricate that they can use the study of the eyeball to debunk evolution it's pretty powerful search it out it's pretty neat but it's so complex the human eye it's a marvel you know it's a marvel that Jesus healed this man and then we see that he clears away the cloudiness and and I read about the cornea and it's the protective coating of the front of the eye, and it allows light to pass through without distortion. So G- Jesus is seemingly clearing the gears of gunk on this man's cornea that have built up. Again, it might just be practical. But then also, the, you know, the eyelids, I was looking, again, <laughs> you're kind of looking at me funny, but here's the thing. It's appropriate because I'm talking about eyeballs, right? So don't look at me cross-eyed. Just, just you know, pay attention. I think there's a point here. But here's the thing, eyelids, they're amazing. The the strongest muscle and the quickest muscle in the body is attached to the eyelid. And eyelashes, hey, you ladies, think about this. We shed an average of 98 feet of eyelashes in our life. Some of you ladies, the way you use mascara is probably more. I'm just saying, it's, it's, it's not a criticism, okay? It's okay. You remember J. Vernon McGee's story? <coughs> J. Vernon McGee was asked one time, is it a sin for women to wear makeup? And you know the way J. Vernon McGee is. He says, well, beloved, I say if the barn needs painting, paint it. (laughs) That's what he said. That's J. Vernon McGee. He's dead. You can be mad at him. I didn't say that. So (laughs) I'll probably get myself in trouble. Anyway, so, but, you know, the eyelashes, they keep dust and debris out of the eyeball. It's really a fascinating design. And then the eyebrow, for the most part, keeps sweat and other things from falling down in the eyes. Not completely, right? But the other thing, you know, the fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics, but the iris in the eye itself has 256 unique characteristics. It's so fascinating. That's why they can use an eyeball to scan for security purposes and all that. It really is fascinating. And also this, the eye itself is the second most complex organ in the body. The only thing more complex than the eyeball is the brain itself. I'm telling you, it's fascinating. And the, the cornea I mentioned, it's the only tissue in the body that doesn't have blood in it. Just think about that for a second. It's fascinating. And then they're having trouble doing eye transplants because there's over one million nerve endings in one single eye. Think about how fearfully and wonderfully we are made. It's an amazing thing. And so, again, you might be asking, why are you saying all this? Well, here's the point. You know, evil is just a glance away. In this day and age that we live, more than ever, we need to guard our eyes. You know, in Mark chapter 9, in a few weeks or a few months, or however long it takes. Next chapter, at the end of the chapter, we're going to see something that Jesus says about the eye that is really profound and challenging. Mark chapter 9, verse 47 and 48, Jesus says this, And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. 
It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Now, Jesus isn't telling you literally to pluck out your eye, but I think we understand the context. Be careful what you look at. Be careful what you look at. You know, it, here's the thing. In this day and age of the internet, so many people struggle with this because evil is at our fingertips. Anyone who owns a computer, an iPad, a phone, whatever, our grandkids, our kids, ourselves, every, and it's not just men, okay? The statistics prove it's not just men. We have to guard our eyes. We have to guard what we look at. You know, Satan is just looking for a foothold in your life. And this is the greatest foothold in modern society is the garbage and the crud on the internet that's available at the moment at our fingertips. And it's just a sad thing. You know, uh, the experts tell us that over 80% of our memories are determined by what we see. But you know, I think the Lord already told us that. In Matthew 6, verse 22 and 23, he says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Chew on that passage. It, it is a lot deeper than I'm going to go today. But this is so true in the world we live. And not only that, but you know, Jesus... He uses the eye to tell us of what kind of standard we should live by and what we should hold others to. You know, many of us want to hold people to a lot higher standard than we hold ourselves, but Jesus says we're to do the opposite. And often those who struggle with things of the eye, who struggle with things, they're often the most critical towards others. I've seen this many times in the church where a man is struggling with pornography or something of that nature, and he's hypercritical of everyone else. He tears down everyone else. He finds problems with everyone else because he doesn't realize he's projecting. He hates himself. He hates what he's fallen into. He hates the sin. And in Matthew 7, verse 1 through 5, we read this. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Again, some of the most hypercritical people in the church I've ever met struggle with pornography or with sins of the nature of the eye. And it's really sad. And here's the thing, it's destroying churches, it's destroying families, it's destroying people. Now more than ever, we need to pay attention to our king and keep our eyes on him and keep our eyes off of junk. Even, even lusting after material things. It doesn't even have to be of a sexual nature. It could be lusting after material possessions. Cars, houses, more money, more finance, all these things. We just need to guard our eyes. We need to guard our hearts. And our hearts are directly connected to our eyes. But scripture has a lot to say about the eyes in general. Also this, know this, 80%, the experts, the same experts, I don't know who they are, but they tell us that 80% of all blindness in the world is preventable. And that's so much like our sin. By looking upon what we should, keeping our eyes on Christ, and not looking upon what we shouldn't. Sin is preventable for the most part. There's so much sin in our lives, and yet we're blind to it many times. But it's preventable. Now we're told this man back in Mark chapter 8, we're told he's healed. It doesn't tell us, though, how he became blinded. We don't know if it's because of his own sin. We don't know if it was because of an accident or whatever. 
But another thought about all of this two stages of healing this man on purpose is that it's a beautiful picture again of the gospel. You know, you and I, when we're healed by the Lord, when we're made to see, we see the Lord first, just like this blind man. He saw the Lord, but he didn't see men clearly. He saw them as trees walking. Just look at this picture. Because in the gospel, what happens to us? We become a Christian. We see the Lord first. We love God with our hearts, our whole hearts. But we're also commanded to love others, to love those men we see as trees. And they're out of focus. But as we grow, as he begins to use his hands on our eyes, we grow in the faith and what happens? We begin to see men clearly how God sees them. And we begin to love them like God loves them. It is a beautiful picture. And so some see this as that, but some also see this as an, as an act of encouragement. Jesus is showing us this. You know, how many times in your life have you, Jesus helped you overcome a sin and then you fall by, right back into it. And you need that second touch from the Lord or that third or that fourth or that hundredth touch from the Lord. You know, there's a beautiful principle in all of that. Because as a believer, you know, we, we fail, we falter. But Jesus is there. He's there to put his hands on us, to clean us, to help us once again. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus. That's what we need to do. And so again, this is, I don't know exactly why all of this happened, but I think there's some key principles and some amazing things if we dig this up, if we dive into this. But then we see this man was completely healed. Verse 25, then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. That's what God will do with you and I when we will submit to him. We will allow him to clean our eyes and our hearts and our minds. We begin to see people clearly. We're no longer so hypercritical of our brother. We take the plank out of our own eye and then we're able to help our brother or sister take the speck out of their, their own. Do you see people clearly? Oh yeah, I see people clearly. (laughs) Here's the thing. Do you see them the way Christ sees them? That's the challenge. Do you love them how God loves them? This is what we're supposed to do. But then verse 26, look at this. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town, which means this guy wasn't from Bethsaida. He was probably from outside of, which means his friends brought him from at least somewhat far off. These are good friends. Again, what a perfect picture for us. We should be those who bring people to Jesus, who have effort, you know. But he tells him, go back to your own house. He probably didn't want the circus to happen, you know. Don't go back in Bethsaida. Don't go back in there. But I just want you to think about this. Imagine this man's trip home. Could you imagine? He went there blind. Jesus heals him. He met the Messiah, Mashiach. And he sends him home with complete, perfect vision. Imagine he's looking at the flowers along the way and the mountains and the beauty of the river Jordan. All of these things. Could you imagine? He was probably smiling. He probably couldn't stop. He was probably crying from those beautifully perfected eyes. And you know, this happens to you and I. We sang today. We once were blind, right? But Jesus made us see. We were, we were born again. We were lost in our sins and he gave us fresh life. Remember that renewal. Remember when he saved you. Remember that day. And start to look at the world with those eyes once again. This has been Hold Fast, a radio outreach ministry of Golgotha Fellowship in Nampa, Idaho. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to hear this message again, or any other in their entirety, please visit GolgothaFellowship.org. Our fellowship meets in Southeast Nampa, and our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. 
For more information visit our website. Until next time, may the Lord richly bless you. Hi folks, Pastor Marty here. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the teaching today. You know, it's my prayer that it's encouraged you to continue faithfully in the study of God's Word. I think it's so crucially important that these days the body of Christ stay in grounded and anchored in the Word of God as the world around us is sinking in the waves of false doctrine and the opinions of men. If you are seeking a church family, a church home, and you live in the Southeast Nampa area, I want to personally invite you. Our Sunday services are at 10 a.m. and we currently meet at East Valley Middle School. That's right off Greenhurst and Happy Valley. If you want to find out more, if you have any questions, you need directions, you want to catch up on a message, or if you have a prayer request, just go to our website, golgothafellowship.org. Let me help you spell that. It's G-O-L-G-O-T-H-A fellowship.org. Until next time, may God bless you and remember to hold fast.